0: This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal Cast with your hosts, Woad, Thirsty, and Reptile. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. This week is another kind of downish week in the MTG Finance world. We obviously had the Mythic Invitational last weekend, so there's some stuff from that. We are mid-war spoilers, so we have some picks related to that, at least I do. And we're going to cover this best-of-one kind of push that Wizards is making, Mm -hmm. what that means post-Mythic Invitational, as well as a general topic of just what's happened to sealed and how it's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's get it taken away.
1: Right. So this past weekend we had the Mythic Invitational at PAX East, which was filled of uh, sixty-four players and a, a split of pros, Magic pros and uh, Magic personalities slash other game pros, and that ran from Friday to Sunday, culminating with a win by Andrea Mangucci. Yep. Uh, who's somebody I've been following for the past couple of years. I've, I've been waiting for him to pick up a big win, and this is... Pop, yeah. yeah. This is as big as it gets. Yep, great to see. And the event as a whole was pretty interesting to watch. Uh, on and off, it swung between boring as hell and uh, incredibly interesting. Yeah. On day one, we got to see what we would see all weekend in the Esper mirrors. We had Jerry Thompson timing out of the game an, with and with an this- external 45-minute round clock that apparently nobody was made aware of, it seems. And, and losing the to life total. Yep. And uh, we saw in the Masterminds Acquisition deck what can happen in, in this kind of inbred format where you don't need to dedicate a sideboard to anything. You can have full fifteen, a full 15-card sideboard dedicated to everything. Yep. And it created this kind of uh, interesting glimpse into what the higher level best of one... Uh, metagame looks like and compared to anything else that Watsy has done in regards to promotion for this game was probably some of the best we've seen and hopefully starts a trend moving forward uh, I went back and forth between it and uh, Moonbase Markets legacy stream over the weekend
0: thanks for tuning in anyone that watched that I was of course doing commentary
1: oh, yeah. the, uh, the dead time between rounds and the Mythic Invitational was killer they just kept running the same four promos so, yeah,
0: I. That's something we need to work on. But yeah. neither here nor there.
1: No, o- overall it was great. But coming into that, well, the reason we wanted to talk about this was because we got a second, kind of the first public push, but the second push overall from Watzie in regards to uh, what a best of one standard looks at or looks like, and it's this article by Marshall Sutcliffe who basically kind of guises his article as what to expect at the Mythic Invitational. And you read it and, yeah, no, it makes sense. And he basically retreads everything that they went over when they announced the best of one format for the Mythic Invitational. And he also covers a lot of what you can expect from a best of one format. But this is the second piece of intel that we've received from Watsi that might be pushing something like FNMs to be best of one. The first was an email that was sent out to LGSs uh, months ago, I think, uh, towards the latter portion of 2018. And I couldn't find yeah. it, but I'll, I'll try and link it in the uh, show notes. That asks LGSs to begin to experiment with their draft format to make it more like Arena, but in paper. So you draft and you play in pot, but you only play best of one and you play upwards of five rounds. This way players yep. get the maximum amount of experience with these cards. So... This does kind of look like we might actually be seeing best of one standards or maybe even pre-releases moving forwards. Oh sorry, moving forward. Which creates a brand new financial environment. Forget all the niche formats that we've talked about and all the niche formats you can imagine, best of one being picked up at the LGS level does mean that things like masterminds acquisition and cards that work oddly from your sideboard or better from your sideboard now can take a completely different financial trajectory than we've seen before. Yep. I dismiss Mastermind's Acquisition as a bad diabolic edict, not diabolic edict, uh, diabolic tutor before, because it's, yeah. it costs four, right? You, you don't play that card in standard. Yeah, but you do when you can go fish for anything in your sideboard when it's a, a better Death Wish, essentially. Yeah.
0: That was insane.
1: It was. And from this over the weekend, we did see Mastermind's Acquisition pop. Uh, I think the six CMC enchantment, the Orszov one. That's like a little, yeah. a little bit of Elish Norn, a lot of it of making tokens. Yeah. That popped. And it's not a bad deck overall to be playing in standard no. right now.
0: Especially for best of one. You oh, get a 75-card list.
1: Yeah. And this event also began to highlight the fact that mono-white aggro and mono-red aggro are pretty much where you have to be in the standard format right now if you want to be uh, just quick and get things done. Yep. They are the de facto best decks. There was no green decks in this best of one, aside from Reed Duke, but I think he exited at round two alongside yep. LSV.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, it does kind of cast uh, this, the future of standard in an interesting light because you have to try and figure out, based on the two announcements that we have, where WotC is going, and do you want yeah. to play this aspect of the game and figure out if this financial, uh, this format is going to be something you want to dip your toes into financially.
0: Yeah. I. For me, I'm... Man, it's either going to happen or it's not. I don't really care. I'm not going to spec on it. But I think that specking on things that are decent and standard and busted completely in half and best of one, like Mastermind's acquisition, because that is also an EDH card. That type of stuff, and if you're on the fence, factoring in the best of one upside, I think is where I would want to be, yes, personally, because I, man, Watsy still cannot get its head out of its ass. They had Rich Hagen doing behind the scenes production. I know you hate him,
1: but he I was love the guy. The he's fine. I don't <laughs> mind him when he's behind when he's behind the camera and he's not trolling coverage by putting up cards that are completely irrelevant to the game. <sighs> the guy can John Man
0: <laughs> yeah, he can do whatever he wants when he's behind the camera. I just, I love the Madden. I love the do-nothing. I love I, my favorite Madden quote, and I can absolutely see Rich Hagen saying this. I love Hagen because he's the Madden of Magic coverage. Yes. If the defense doesn't get anything done on this play, they're just not going to get anything done. <laughs> but I, I love that type of color commentary. And it, he's like, he has this passion for the game that just,
1: I, yeah. I No, no, I I get it. He I, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fine.
0: But I I don't think I'd want to spec hard on best of one if it was me. I could absolutely see Wizards, again, and I've said this before in the podcast, I think five years by mismanagement or design, Paper Magic's probably done. Mm -hmm. I think if they want to do it by design, they shift to best of one. And I think if by design they want to do it, they start fiddling with the mulligan rule every year. Oh, wait, they already are. Sorry. So... I, I, I could see best of one happening. I don't want it to. I don't think it does. I think it's unlikely that it gets pushed very hard in paper. Yep. Just because while the pros have said that you know best of one is great, the overall feel from players that I'm getting at like the LGS level is they don't want it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. There are a lot of games that have failed that were best of one to some degree. Uh, dating as far back as I can remember to the original Star Wars TCG, where in every round you had to play your light side deck and your dark side deck. Yep. Yeah. The old, I think the only one that's still surviving is Hearthstone. Yeah. And, and it's not tech, it's very much exactly the, the, the Mythic Invitational works. I know I've touched on this before because it's uh, the Hearthstone light model they're using where you're bringing two decks for a best of three in essence, but you're only playing each deck mandatorily once.
0: Once. Yeah. Similar to the light side, dark side.
1: Yeah. In in Hearthstone, you have whatever the tournament tells you, number of decks, minus some bands, right? Yeah. And that model works just fine. It's just a little too overbearing for Magic. Yeah. You have to ask people to really dedicate to Arena, and at that point, you can't have your pros, your actual fit, like paper pros, splitting their time between figuring out best of three and nine decks for best of one. That that just can't happen. Uh, Yeah. I I like the best of one format for promotional events like this I had mm-hmm. a, a friend on the floor of uh, pax East whose uh, parents came right off the boat from Poland and I, I let him know that Gregorsch and Piotr were there and he went and he just kind of hung out for a couple of rounds watching it you know without those guys there and the big booth he probably wouldn't care about the game yeah. at all anymore um and that's so, pretty cool yeah and because it's quick enough he has he hasn't been playing magic The oh, last time he picked up cards over 10 years ago but things Oof. were like clear enough that he was able to understand what was going on because arena is really good for that kind of demonstration. Yeah. I I don't like the format in in paper. At, at all best no. of one. And I don't think moving in on dedicated cards for a best of one format is the way to go even if Watsi does say this is going to be an alternative format you can choose at an FNM. It's still not going to be the Grand Prix level event. It's still not going to be the uh, Mythic Championship level event. No. And LSV put it pretty succinctly in the rundown that he and Marshall did on Sunday. That was the LR for last week. It wasn't uh, the Friday one. It was Sunday after the event. And LSV said that best of one with the mixed background players is one of the best ideas they have or they have had for a promotional level event, especially with the the prize pools that are this large. Because you can just pull from all over the place and give people enough time to kind of learn, experience, and experiment with the game, in preparation yeah. for an event like this. It's a little harder for people like BDM who had to cover for Owen on two days' notice, and yeah. I is was the the streamer from Spain that had to cover for the streamer from Mexico. South America who couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. that couldn't South get America it was yeah. yeah. Yep. So for those two people, it was probably a little worse off than, than everybody else. But the prize pool is ridiculous for a promo-level event like this. And dropping the prize pool for a paper-level Mythic Championship makes sense because that is... You're going to have more of them in a year. Yeah. And they're not meant to be the glitz and glamour kind of events. The arena ones do make sense to pay out more for. And this is something I didn't agree with until I listened to what he said. Paying 10 k more overall in the prize pool for an arena event seemed kind of very slap-in-the-face-ish to me. If I as an outsider looking at the pros but arena garners more eyeballs overall yeah. which means it's more ad spend more entries into the game it makes sense yep. to pay more for those events to get a higher production value out of them because the, it just you create a larger cash flow that way
0: yeah it's you know you also have lower overhead on those and like it, I it's, mean again the people that scrubbed out in the beginning still made netted $7,500 on the weekend yeah, because I, their PAX badge was paid for, their travel badge was paid for, everything. Yeah, like,
1: everything was
0: comped, yeah. Why, why would you not do that? Exactly. And yeah, for, for a promotional event, I thought it was great. Yeah. I just hope this isn't the type of thing that they swing over. And I I would like to think that Watsy had contacted, you know, a couple streamers and BDM and some other people before to say, hey, your alternates for yeah. this in case... Something happens, and it ends up that we were right about Owen all along. Uh, It's, you know, I I thought it was well done, and I've been very skeptical of Arena on this show and any social media you can catch me on. I think it's garbage. This looked like a semi-pro eSport event. Yes. Which, when I say that, I mean production level. Because like you said, they're playing the same four promos over, yeah, over and, and over. over and over. Like, they're figuring it out. That's fine. I I thought it looked good from an esports perspective, so... Yeah. I won't say hats off to you, Watsy, but you may have gotten something right.
1: Yeah, there's a lot you can sit around and nitpick, nitpick about, but I think the overall presentation was great. And as far as best of one is concerned, I... I th- Deep down, I think it will go the way of this best-of-one draft. They'll offer it up to LGSs. Sure, you can do a custom like you can now in War and yeah. fire off a best-of-one. But it is no place that I want to be financially because you will get these weird corner case rares that are only good in best-of-one. And if you want to look at odd supplemental formats that WotC has supported in the last 18 months, enjoy your Brawl deck.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that format is dead and gone. Yeah. So there are some crossover cards that if best of one does become a thing, they just kind of constantly trucks along, even at a low level that you can definitely look at. Uh, one of them is going to be my pick for the week and I'll get to that later on. But like Thirsty mentioned, masterminds acquisition is not just a best of one card. It's not a standard card, but it's also an EDH card because yep. you do get a wishboard in EDH. A lot of people yep. forget that the rules committee has said that you get, a, I believe it's still 15 card. Wish yep. So even if it's... you use something like Death Wish that says, and uh, what's the the original one? Ring of Mar- no. uh, There's like an Intequities card that lets you go fish for something from completely yeah. outside the game, from your collection, yeah. basically, is how they worded it. Yeah. It's still attached to that 15 was, card. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I think that's a fine card to pick up as Throwings. Yeah. Whatever. But moving on, though, uh, we want to talk a little bit about Sealed Product. And this is going to be kind of a, an intro-level uh, talk, and then we're going to dive into this over a couple of episodes because there's been a lot of sealed over the history of the game. Each piece of sealed kind of means something different. Uh, yeah. Some of those pieces of sealed ca- can have a prize inside, just full of misprints, Yeah. masks block especially.
0: Oh god, yeah.
1: Uh, and the format of sealed has changed over time. I and mean, we, want, we want to do our due diligence and much like the graded card conversation, break it up over a number of pe- a number of episodes to make it easily digestible and uh, easy to figure out.
0: Yeah, so, so broad strokes that we wanna cover is pretty much like booster boxes and how that's changed. Everyone's seen, or maybe if you haven't, check out his timeline, Evan Irwin, Mr. Orange, has his 401k picture that he posts, and it's literally a case of every set dating back to antiquities, and it used to be that you could get a case of Guild Pact and you could sit on it for a year and it would be worth twice what you paid, even if you paid wholesale. Yep. And, you know, it's that's not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, you know, we have Aether, Revolt, and Kaladesh masterpiece sets with masterpieces that are worth a ton mm-hmm. that have just started getting back to MSRP after almost two years. And one of the reasons that's changed is because similar to when the foil rarity changed. Because it used to be you would average 0.7 foil rares per box. Yeah. And then that was in Urza's Legacy, then they changed it and they upped it again. And now it's almost two per box almost, on average. Yeah. So they increased print run at Ravnica. And then they increased print run again at Origins, I believe.
1: A little, yeah, it was a little. Uh, when you say Ravnica, you mean Return to Rav.
0: Yeah, Return to yep. Rav. Sorry, RTR. Yep. Yeah. And with that, you started seeing that these at-will prints, which were always a thing, mm-hmm. were actually just, all right, well, we have a sell-through. Sure, distros still have some in their warehouse. But getting rid of that is their problem, Yeah. not ours. So Wizards started just pumping and pumping and pumping out this product. And from an LGS level, I can tell you that even with Wizards Direct gone, distros still, distros have picked that slack up. They're they're getting that. It's not like all of a sudden there's less product out there. Distros just end up with more of it. So there hasn't been a drop off in that. But the thing is now you have three standard sets at a time that are print at will. So Dominaria just last week, yes, went right. out of print, and now War is in print. So that means that Dominaria, being the oldest set, was effectively in print for nine months.
1: Yes. Yeah. And it the Fallish release. Yep. Yep.
0: So we had Dominaria three months there before Guilds, mm-hmm. three months there before RNA, and three months there before uh, War. So, with that, what has happened is you've started to see a lot less elasticity in these prices. They're not rebounding as quick. So, it's not really worth it to buy a case of some standard print product and sit on it.
1: No.
0: Supplemental sets, totally different story. Yep. Uh, you know, those, those are rebounding and it got quicker and quicker. You had MM17 that took about seven to eight months for sealed to rebound. And then you had ultimate masters that took three to four. Yeah. It
1: was very if boring.
0: that, and it, it wasn't just the fact that there was only one, one print run uh, because, you know, we've seen stuff with like battle bond and unstable has even started rebounding a little bit faster. So it's not just these masters sets. It's the chase supplemental product that yes. might be an at will print, such as Modern Horizons, but uh, the allocations on those for the first runs, we've been told are going to be a little bit smaller. Okay. So while it is an at-will print, at-will maybe a little bit closer with these to do distros still have them in their warehouse or nah. Because if they don't, or if they do, we're not going to print any extras. Don't worry about it. Okay. So that's that's something to be mindful of, because if you are still on the sealed train, you've got to remember your time is not what it was.
1: Correct.
0: You know, I I just, you know, sold an Aether Revolt and uh, two Kaladesh boxes for 275 because I couldn't get any bites at 300. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I was like, you know what? Fine. Get it out of here because I've been sitting on these for two years now. And they're just taking up space and I'd much rather, you know, throw that at a couple boxes of Modern Horizons and just sit on those for a while, you know, and that's that's what I'm doing. Yep.
1: Now, and there's there's something to be said, too, about picking your battles when it comes to which sealed product you want to buy into. And a lot yeah. of people like to cite uh, certain sets like Return to Ravnica as being a great set and Cons of Tarkir as being a great set. But both of those had extremely high value reprints in them. Other yeah. sets in that block... Dragon's Maze and Fate Reforged.
0: Uh, no. yeah.
1: While they still did contain some of those reprint cards, the percentage chance of getting them is much lower because of how you know, it was a nicety that they were put in the in the set, but the rest of the cards in that set just were not impactful. And that's Garbage. something that you have to be mindful of when you're moving in on a standard set that doesn't have anything like a high value an immediate yeah. high value reprint or something like a masterpiece series card in it like we're seeing. Yeah. Buy a box promos don't count, though it's been a thing forever. They're their own little caveat.
0: Yeah, especially now.
1: Yeah. And so unless the set is just bonkers for standard and you won't know that for a while, sitting on small quantities does not often do you justice for the amount of space it's going to take up and the amount of time you're going to have to sit on it before you can churn a profit.
0: Yeah. And it's it's interesting because you know it even with Fallen Empires. When Fallen Empires came out, the set may be garbage now, but when it came out, those boxes still had value shortly after release. Chronicles, different story. After that, sealed took a little bit of a hit. Yeah. But you know, you, you look at it now, and you've got, I mean, Avison restored boxes or what? Almost three hundred dollar, two three hundred dollars a piece now. I that's not going to happen no. with Kaladesh. There, There's no way.
1: No, it's part of that flashpoint that you mentioned. Prior to Return to Ravnica and that, you know, AVR into Return to Rav is just a core set difference. Yeah. We didn't have infinite printings. You know, we weren't in this push to maximize the player base. So the percentage different b- between Return to Rav and everything prior is incredibly large. And then again, that other bump, while small, does make a difference in current sets. The timeline yeah. for moving them is much longer but if you're the kind of person that can also buy in bulk, sometimes waiting on getting into these sets as well is worth it because you will get a wholesale discount from distro. There are people yeah. out there that just buy and sit on uh, infinite stock. You know, uh, Alpha Investments is very public about that. He keeps buying Dragon's Maze whenever it's up. Uh, Thirsty yep. and I both know uh, a gentleman from Kentucky who does nothing but put sealed in his warehouse, and he just buys it as it comes out. Uh, every Stashes. store, yep. Every store that he owns, including his furniture stores, gets distro for Magic because all he has to do is put packs in there to say he yeah sell them, yep. And and, and just these, yeah, these guys sit on uh, huge quantity. There was uh, was it Battle? No, not Battle but Unstable. That a group a group of people in Europe, individuals, bought up the majority of the supply from distro and just sat on it for a while, kind of artificially inflating. The basics yep. for a little while and I don't know if that's still the case and if they've done it for anywhere else.
0: Uh he did it with Unstable and Battle Bond. He hasn't done it with anything else. He tried it with Commander's Arsenal too, and that did not work out. Yeah. So Oops.
1: Yeah. But these are all big high value holds. Yeah. Right? Because Steel does take a lot of room. So you've gotta be able to sit there and let it mature. You know. Yeah. This is a physical. And if product. you're
0: just Working out of your house or something, you're not going to have the space. It's it requires a warehouse at this point yeah. to really make it work, and yep. it's just not not worth no. not worth if no. you're a layman.
1: Correct. Uh, if you want to grind a little bit of profit and churn a case of standard for another chase uh, for another case of standard in a couple of years, you can definitely make a small percentage off of that. But the the space you need to make a lot a decent amount Huge. of money, yeah, it is incredible. If you want to move into the short-run supplementals, those are a lot easier to flip in a shorter timeline to make a a lot more money. Uh, That's actually where I focus when it comes to Sealed. But I don't hold that much. Uh, I I spread out a little bit. I think the most of any one product I have is probably a dozen of the original... No. The second-run Grixis EDH decks that have Toxic Deluge and True Name Nemesis in there. Yeah. I bought every one of those I could find at MSRP. And I think only if toxic deluge or true name get one more printing i think i lose out at msrp if i don't start sure. moving those sealed yeah
0: yeah fine but yeah it's and that's that's the type of thing that you know which funny you mentioned that stay tuned guys we'll cover that type of stuff in a future episode
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that's the stuff that just like doesn't you know you, you have to be careful yep because you can just eat it, especially on the modern supplemental stuff, because the reprint equity that is is there because none of it's reserved
1: list anymore. Correct. And there's a track record that they will reprint anything and everything in any kind of supplemental they can.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, cons cons is a great buy right now, especially with fetches on the way up. Mm -hmm. But what's to say we don't have modern horizons and not a master's master set in the fall that has fetch lands?
1: Or what people yeah. have been asking for in the tricolor fetch lands. You make it some yeah. some mythic rarity, or not some, but the myth, a mythic rarity. And you just have tricolor fetch lands and now your other fetch lands aren't necessarily obsolete, but they're second tier lands now. Yeah. Or some people are asking for monocolored fetch lands. And then now now one of the drivers for random red lands in Burn doesn't need scalding tarns anymore. No, they just, just need
0: fetch a mountain.
1: Yeah, that's all I need. Just get it and play on taps. Yep. And so, the the point we want to drive home in this initial uh, episode about sealed is that it can definitely be lucrative. You have to pick a sealed product you want to move into in appropriate quantities. Make sure you're, you are comfortable holding it for the time period that you're going to have to. In the case of current standard, you're going to be looking at years. If the set yeah. is an absolute garbage, just dumpster fire, it could be even longer. I don't know if uh, Oath of the Gatewatch has begun to recover at all. Despite having masterpieces in there, or expeditions, and they're all poop, Angel yep. Tomb is in there. Wait, And Dust Bowl? Yeah, I
0: think those are the two. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like, that's it. They gave all the equity to battle for Zendikar.
0: Yep. Great. Thanks, guys.
1: Yep. You know, uh, Oath is slowly recovering, and I think uh, Kaladesh and Aether Revolters are finally, have finally broken past the MSRP line. It it was over the summer, I think, that we finally crested past. Yeah. and, And made it there. Otherwise. People were only hunting masterpieces because you could still buy over the summer soul rings and you could still buy um, monocrypts. Once yep. those disappeared, you can kind of see a correlation into the the rise of uh, those sets just because yeah. it's effectively eh, the only place to get them, or they've been solely bought out over the market, of, off the market in the US and Europe, which is what we were tracking for a while, and quantities that kind of went unnoticed. Yep. And it was just all of a sudden, poof, they were gone. Natural attribution over time, and then gone. Yep,
0: it was. Uh, it, it's been interesting to see, and now you're. I mean, I just checked Glare for set EV and box EV, and it's still. Oath is with masterpieces. You're looking at forty dollars a box. Mm-hmm. Average EV, and that's yeah. that's the type of thing which, hooray, analytics that really drives the prices on that sealed product. So I I would not expect you know. Kaladesh and Aether Revolt are the exception rather than the rule. Yes. Because of the masterpieces they had.
1: Mm-hmm. It's just like the original... Uh, original Zendikar is driven by fetchlands and the trash for treasure. And when I say original, I mean, is it the sea boxes? Supposedly? Yep. Yeah,
0: Yeah. the fat packs that had the hidden gems or whatever. Yeah, and the
1: regular boxes, yeah. The, the first yep. run of everything from original Zendikar is driven by... Uh, the hidden treasures. After yeah. that, it's fetch lands and like some other uh, twenty and thirty dollar cards and that set would have taken a long time to come back up. Basically, until mm-hmm. fetch lands crested past fifty, yeah, that set would have taken just as long to come back. Yep. So, just because the uh, we were just looking at a lower print run, and the spread of rares was much larger than that in of here. It just was yeah. not going to happen once it fell out of standard.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: But, uh, well, that said though, uh, moving to picks of the week. And uh, yep. I'll, I'll go first because I, I mentioned this earlier. So yep. uh, my pick is related to uh, technically the uh, best of one format, but it's kind of a long time coming on this card. Uh, it's Omniscience. Oops, let me get up there. So Omniscience uh, reprinted in M nineteen, and it spikes up. Uh, we can see in the chart, and then just tanks. And I think it was uh, somewhere in the 5 to $6 range up until last week, which is ridiculous for this card. Uh, short, it's really not in Legacy anymore. Uh, Omnitel is still a deck. You you can win with Siri Wind if you want, because I think that's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, the original printing from, whatever, it was 2013? Yep. Excuse me, it's about $8. But... This is a card that, outside of EDH and a handful of Legacy players keeping them in their binder, did not really crop up again until the Arena Boys video last week, where mm-hmm. Riley Knight and company played it in their Mastermind Acquisition deck. And the one thing I didn't figure out because I didn't have time to search for the seven uh, L or whatever they are Arena lists was whether or not the original version of the Esper Mastermind deck was playing it.
0: I don't think it was.
1: I don't think. Uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah I I don't know they said they they arena Boys up the list and I think the omniscience and and a way to go infinite was part of that basically mill your opponent out before you draw out your deck and going to the mythic invitational I wasn't sure if this card would pop up there or not if it did then I would expect it to just finally rock it otherwise this card is is at a a low we have only seen since last October so going on a year it rotates out when it got reprinted yeah. yeah it rotates out this, uh, of standard, September-ish, somewhere in there.
0: Yeah, this and,
1: fall. F- yeah, from there until we get another reprinting this card, it's just going to climb. Yeah, This card literally says do whatever you want. Yep, you play pretty it. much. Yep, it is your combo workhorse in EDH. It, Like I said, while it is not played currently in Legacy, the option is there. You can sneak it in with show-and-tell. You can Academy Rector it in can hard cast the ding dong if you want it doesn't matter yeah the only place it's not being played right now is modern because you can't really cheat in enchantments but there should still be enough of a driver to really get it in there
0: yeah so i i originally was going to pick masterminds acquisition but then war spoilers started coming out so i changed my pick yep side note secret cabal tech pick foil russian new karn workshops tech anyways so my pick changed actually to runaway steamkin mm-hmm. so runaway steamkin has done work the last couple GPs we've had coverage it did work at the mythic Invitational and the mono red list and we have proliferate back yes so if proliferate is back and it is an is it mechanic or even if it just stays blue you can run in you know is it frenzy yep runaway steamkin becomes a very very good win condition because so far I think we have two spells that proliferate, whatever. All you need is one instant or sorcery, one non-creature spell Mm -hmm. that does something and proliferates and all of a sudden Steamkin is busted in half. So right now I think its low is at or below a dollar on this card. When this card first came out it was a three to four dollar buy list. And I think we could actually get back to that, no joke, if proliferate and the rest of the set gets good, I definitely think it's the type of thing that you're going to see, you know, week one, all of a sudden people are trying to bust, you know, break this in half because it's always easier when a new set comes out to find the 10 best threats than the 20 best answers. And one of the 10 best threats already exists in the format it just gets a little bit better yes that said i see this as a you know pick it up now and pump and dump for me it's a short-term turnaround i don't think it's going to be that good long-term in standard but i think for unsettled meta right after war release this card is insane i,
1: I think so too uh i worked uh, gp montreal which was guilds of rav release weekend and we had no problem moving these cards for like seven or eight cad yeah release weekend like we were as soon as they were in they were in the case and then gone people yeah had no problem forking over any amount of money for these things yeah
0: it's it's just the type of thing that i can see being short term a really good opportunity to double up at a dollar yep i i don't think it has any problem hitting two dollars buy
1: list no uh i I think this is also a fine hold long term because it isn't elemental, and there is that weird Niv Magus elemental combo deck in modern where you basically just eat everything off the stack with Niv Magus. Yeah. And this thing gives you mana to keep churning out your, your it stuff. It does. It does. And there's also there's Elemental Aggro. Damn it, I forgot that Rage Forger is kind of the crux of the deck and is very yeah. similar. You yeah. Don't eat, spells off the stack with it you just make like impossibly hard to handle creatures it's yeah it's a caleb derward special so it's yeah Yeah. the the buy list on it was like 40 some cents on card kingdom which is about a third of the price on tcg like you said the low um yeah checking omniscience because i forgot to do that we were looking at about a two dollar spread in omniscience ck is buying them for about five for the 2013 and you can buy them off TCG for seven-ish, maybe a little less yeah. than that, depending on condition. So we are getting to a point where eventually in time, this will...
0: Those will start to catch up.
1: Yeah, they will. Uh, but I, I like Steamkin actually more as a long-term hold, if you can get them uh, cheaper in trade rather than in, in cash, or if you're collection buying, then I think it's a perfect place to get them. You know, Card Kingdom's offering 30 cents. Man, if you could buy them at 35 even, that's fine.
0: Yeah, true.
1: Like, this is definitely a card that has like weird appeal for later on. Yeah. Like if you're the That's kind of fair. yeah, if you're if you're you know buying cards to be able to play them now or later, I think Steam can at any point before it pops. You're going to have to wait like if it does nothing and then pops and then does nothing again, you're just going to have to buy your time and sit on it and hope that it does nothing until rotation. Yeah. So just to wait for that that flashpoint. But uh, other than that, guys, uh, I believe that's it for today. Uh, we're gonna sign out here. You can catch me on Twitter at halt. I am Reptar.
0: Uh, At Thirsty Sizzler. You can catch us at
1: MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Patreon, and I think our YouTube channel is MTG Cabalcast yes. Finally,
0: it is finally yes. Uh, also, just another friendly reminder: we'll be tweeting out the link regularly for the charity middle school event coming up. In May, in the Midwest, and we are also co sponsoring a weekly stream for middle school because, again, shill baby, shill.
1: Yeah, uh, eventually at some point, I'm gonna make it a point to play that format uh, in person. Yeah, I got everything. Somewhere. Uh, And we are still holding, or rather, still taking entries for the uh, UMA box via our Patreon. Uh, So, you know, get in on that before we raffle it off in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But yeah. Thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks guys. Catch you later.